0: Well, good morning. Nice to see all of you here. You know, we've, uh, we've been seeing a lot more people coming with each passing Sunday. We've broken the 100 mark now in the, in the, in the auditorium. So uh, f- folks who, who haven't been coming and would like to, we invite you to come. It's, uh, we're having a good time here in the chapel. But again, greetings to those who are watching online, including my wife. She's over in the Philippines watching. Um, yes, uh, Pastor David is not with us today. He is at his home church in Downsview. Uh, they, they invited him to come and give a kind of a report of his uh, mission work in China. He's been in China for quite some years. And uh, so they invited him to come back and give a give an update to the church about all that because they haven't seen him much since COVID. Um, and we're going to do something similar today, this morning. Uh, it's a uh, Opportunity for Beulah and I, even though Beulah's not here, to share with you a bit of a report of what the Lord's been doing in our lives, in our ministry, uh, in Africa in recent years. Um, but it's it's more than just a mission report. It's uh, it's uh, it's about strategy. I'm waiting for that to come up on the screen. There we go. It's about strategy. We want to. Uh, Uh, Look at Jesus' strategy and see it come to life in uh, people around the world. But more about that a little bit later. Uh, So we're talking about strategy. I'm trying some new technology here. I hope it works. The story begins in Montreal. That's where I'm from. Uh, The little boy in crutches. That's me when I was five years old. Stephen, you're not the only one who knows about crutches. Uh, I broke my leg when I was a little guy. My nickname was Tiny Tim during those days. Uh, but that's my grandfather standing behind me. He's an Irishman, and he was a preacher. And he, he would go around preaching among all the uh, Brethren Churches. Now, Brethren Churches is the kind of church Arendelle uh, has been over the years. It came from that heritage, and uh, we call it Brethren. It's not, it's not a traditional Brethren Church right now, but that's the family we, we've been among. And he was a Brethren preacher. And so I've got uh, not only Irish blood, but Brethren blood as well. Uh, I had the great privilege of growing up in a in a great little church in uh, working-class Montreal. The name of the church was called Onward Gospel Church. How's that a name for a church, Onward Gospel Church, a place that was very alive spiritually. And I grew up there and it was there that I really learned that Jesus had died for my sins and I put my trust in him as a as a young boy and began following him and have been trying to follow him ever since. But I thank God for onward Gospel Church. Uh, one of our pastors over the year was uh, Carolyn's mom and dad. They came when I was 12 years old. I've known Carolyn since then. We were we grew up together there in Montreal and were leading our youth group. And her father and mother had a, a great impact on my life great, great impact. And there's a lot of people in Montreal from that church now who are feeling sad that uh, Pastor Crate and Mrs. Crate now have both gone home to be with the Lord. But I thank God for that church upbringing, and I found myself a few years later in Toronto. I uh, ended up going to school at Ontario Bible College, which in the old days was down at Bloor and Spadina. Did a theology degree in pastoral ministries, and interestingly enough, it was there at, uh, at Ontario Bible College I first heard about a church way out in the west end of the city called Arendelle Bible Chapel. One of the professors at OBC was from here. His name was uh, Warren Adams. So I don't know if any of you uh, have been here long enough to remember that name, Warren and Helen Adams. Anyways, that was the first time i ever heard of Arendelle. And I heard good things about Arendelle never came here myself. But during my final year at at college, the Lord really spoke to me strongly through a a verse in... uh, in Matthew Matthew chapter 10, just it was something that he said almost in passing when he was giving instructions to the disciples. He was about to send them out as on, on a kind of a mission trip in the surrounding countryside, and he was giving them instructions and he and in verse uh, verse eight he says to them something very short, he says, "Freely, you have received, freely give and that verse came really home to me when I was probably 21 at the time. And it was like the Lord saying, Doug, you, you are blessed. You are really blessed. You, well, in the first place, you're a Christian. You know me. We've got a relationship. Uh, he, he's done so, he had done so much in my life and made my life so meaningful and I was able to walk with the Lord. And just being a Christian is such a huge blessing. But, but more than that, I was a Canadian Christian. I was born in a good country. And I had a good family upbringing. I I had so much to thank God for. None of it was anything I had done. It was the Lord's blessing to me. And so it's like he was saying, "Okay, I've blessed you a lot. I want you to realize it. And now I I want you to go out and bless other people. And in fact, I want you to go and bless the poorest people on Earth. It was like a a calling, a new calling. And I joined a mission organization and ended up in rural Nigeria. I lived in a a Nigerian village for two years. the muscle man on the left there, that's me. Uh, We help people with uh, water projects and health teaching, and we spoke in the churches there on Sunday. And that was my introduction to, uh, I guess you'd call it the real world out there, outside of North America, and my introduction to uh, blessed Africa. Well, uh, over the years, I, I... I, I lived there for two years, but then we uh, got involved with that same mission and ended up traveling a lot, setting up similar programs in other countries in quite a few places. And uh, along the way, I met a beautiful lady from the Philippines. Yeah. Her name was Beulah, and it was, uh, wasn't was love at first sight, but almost, almost. And we got married up in Stouffville in 1984. Uh, the Lord blessed us with two children a few years after that, and... Uh, then we went actually and settled in the Philippines in 1990, and we lived in the Philippines in her home island for uh, the better part of 18 years. We finally came back uh, to Canada in 2008 and settled down, sort of settled down uh, thereafter. Well, the Lord has, has blessed our tribe. It has grown a little bit. Uh, our daughter Beverly married Mike, and we've got two uh, good-looking grandsons and my son there, Dave, who's actually right now in Africa, in West Africa, finishing his studies. we got two very good-looking uh, grandsons, charming, uh, smart, uh, you know, runs in the family. What do you expect? <laughs> but the Lord has really blessed us. But Beulah's tribe is even bigger. <laughs> Beulah is a, from a family of 11 brothers and sisters, a fantastic family, actually, the last time they were all together was for their mother's 100th anniversary, a couple of years ago, right before COVID. And uh, that's where Beulah is right now. She's over there taking care of family and her mom, but she'll be coming back home. She's been there for two months now. She'll be coming home this week. I'm very happy. Uh, but her mom's still hanging in there. She's 102 years old now. Well, how did, uh, how did we end up at Arendelle Bible Chapel? Uh, that goes back to Montreal again. You, uh, our first pastor here, our first like, sort of full-time permanent uh, pastor was Peter McKnight, as you may know. And, he, and Peter and I grew up in Montreal. Uh, I couldn't find many pictures, but here's one of us, you know, sliding down a hill in Quebec somewhere on tubes. Uh, we, we grew up since we've known each other since birth. And when our family was uh, sort of coming back to, to Canada for a few years in 2002, We we learned that Peter and Carolyn were here at Arendelle. Peter was pastoring here. And so that was the main reason we decided to settle in Mississauga and come and uh, join the Arendelle family at that time, 2002, about 20 years ago. And uh, and sadly, the Lord took Peter six months later after we arrived. This is what our family might have looked like uh, around that time. For those of you who were here, then our kids joined the youth group and have kept the same friends ever since then, from that youth group. Youth ministry can be a very powerful time of influence and spiritual growth in a young person's life. Well, the kids finally uh, left the nest, or were at least pushed out of the nest, shall we say, and Beulah and I were free. We decided to go back, back to Africa. And since 2014, we're living over there. Uh, We worked during that time with two really really wonderful Christian organizations. The first while we were with Samaritan's Purse, and the second uh, part we were with World Relief. Both of them Christian organizations that are involved in helping helping the poor in relief and development, but with a heart for God's people, with a heart for the gospel message. Uh, the first three years were in Congo. Uh, it's also known as DRC. You'll hear people saying DRC. It stands for Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, It's one of Africa's largest countries. We had a big team there with a very large program. Uh, There were about 180 on the team, mostly uh, mostly Congolese Christians. Uh, I know you're looking for me in the picture. Well, there I am right in the middle, okay? (laughs) Just in case you can't see where I was. So this is the team the Lord gave me, fantastic people willing to sacrifice, willing to live in very dangerous places to serve their own people. Uh, DRC is one of Africa's largest countries right in the center of the continent. And we lived in a city called Bunia up in the northeast corner. Uh, it's, a, it's a vast country. The, uh, the roads are terrible. Uh, our area was so large where we worked that we had to actually fly to some of the, some of the outposts where our teams were working. Uh, it would have taken three or four days to, to drive there on Congo's roads. So we often use the services of uh, Christian airlines like Missionary Aviation Fellowship (MAF). One thing I liked about Congo, uh, there's a there's one tribe there that we did a little bit of work with called Pygmies, right? Pygmies, and uh, I really enjoyed visiting them because for once I was the tallest guy around. Like I was uh, like head and shoulders taller than than these wonderful Pygmy people. So I enjoyed it when our projects took me out into that part of the. The area, but uh, eastern DRC is a very, very troubled place un- until this very day. It's a it's a war torn area. Uh, literally millions of people have been uprooted from their homes, have fled to other areas. Uh, displaced populations that are living either in uh, like refugee camps, like you see in the back of the uh, picture here, or or just living with with other people. Most of the displaced people live with other families who take them in. Christian families taking in strangers, even from other villages that have fled because of conflict. There are like uh, more than 100 rebel groups operating all up and down the east side of DRC, and I uh, said millions are displaced. In addition to that, there are refugee camps along the border of refugees from other countries, South Sudan, Central African Republic, that have fled over into the into the territory of, of Congo. So a lot of our programming was was just helping them. Uh, we We helped about a quarter million people each year, uh, basically with uh, household items, uh, things that they had lost when they had to flee their homes, uh, tools and seeds so that they could begin planting in the new places they had settled. And um, it was was heartbreaking to see what was going on because some people would flee, a year later they would have to flee again when that village was attacked and flee to another place. That's Eastern DRC. We helped uh, support a school feeding program as well, uh, trying to keep children in a war zone in school and uh, helping them to have at least one nutritional meal a day. And uh, that was also a very, a very deeply touching time. Uh, Eastern DRC is also a, a very dangerous place for women and girls, very dangerous. And so a lot of our ministries were, especially with local churches throughout this area, helping to Uh, helping with the protection of women and girls and uh, helping the churches to know how to deal with that problem in their community. Well, the most exciting part of working uh, these three years was working with churches and with church ministries. Uh, Samaritan's Purse has a heart for that. While we were helping the general population, displaced population, we were also uh, working with all the local churches that were scattered in that area. There are thousands of churches in that part of Congo Uh, many in the cities and also in the rural villages. Interestingly, those churches were started, there were two groups. One one group was started by brethren, we call them brethren missionaries, uh, people from our family of churches who had been there for over the decades and planted a thousand churches in that area. And then uh, secondly, uh, missionaries from AIM, Africa Inland Mission, which is John Brown's ministry, John Brown's organization. Those two groups of missionaries had planted thousands of churches, or had planted churches that now number in the thousands in Northeast DRC. We did a lot of uh, uh, training programs for especially the rural areas. These were uneducated uh, farmers basically who were leading these rural churches and we gave them three months of training just on, on leadership, basic church leadership and doctrine. And, uh, and graduating, yeah, three or four hundred of them so far have gone through this course and it has really blessed the churches and their impact on their community. It's a war zone. Many churches had been destroyed during the war. We helped uh, rebuild a number of them. We also helped refugees set up churches in refugee camps. Christians who had fled from South Sudan needed a place to worship and uh, we were there assisting them well. Uh, it was a very happy three years. You might be wondering what's going on here. Our, our Samaritan's Purse soccer team just won a game <laughs> uh, against our arch enemy and it was a, a great moment of joy. Uh, I wasn't playing, I'm too old for that, but the team won and in, in their joy, uh, suddenly I was swept up and carried around the field <laughs> in triumph and it was, a, it was screaming our heads off and it was a happy Congolese moment. But it it just reminds me again of the joy of serving, despite the dangers and hardships of that part of the world, serving with uh, this team and uh, working together with them to help hundreds of thousands of people over the years. Uh, The time in DRC came to an end, and we moved on to another country near Congo called Burundi, uh, serving there for three years with World Relief, another very excellent Christian organization. Burundi is a very tiny country of 11 million people, right in the heart of Africa, again, beside DRC. But it is one of the poorest countries on earth. Uh, all, the, all the lists of development and so on, Burundi is right near the bottom. Uh, the, the, the child malnourishment rate in Burundi is, is among the worst in the world. Uh, so our team there was a smaller team, 45 of us, uh, uh, all Burundian Christians and myself. And our main goal there was uh, working alongside churches in the rural areas of Burundi. Uh, again, if you can't find me, that's, that's where I am, and Beulah is beside me there. We were serving with churches throughout the, the rural areas, the mountain areas, and, and helping them to come together. And to serve the people in their, in their churches, the, the, the impoverished people in the churches and in the community as well. We spent a lot of time, especially with the many church leaders up there, many of them again, uneducated or uh, farmers, but who were giving of all their spare time to lead their churches. Well, it was a it was a, a wonderful time of, of getting to know the Christian population. Uh, I had a a great team as well. I poured myself into this leadership team, all Burundian uh, believers, and and together we were able to uh, make a a difference there. Uh, That's one of the few times to put on a necktie. Uh, It's too hot for neckties. But you know, the pastors, when they have a pastor's event, they all come in their suits and ties, so we had to uh, do that as well. It is a rare picture of me with a necktie. But the, 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 good, the, the good thing was, this was the first time churches in any particular village would work together. You know, churches, for some dumb reason, sometimes uh, behave as, as competitors, not just in Africa, but even in Canada. As if we're competing for, you know, for attention, competing to get people, and it shouldn't be like that at all. We need to be working together. And the Lord used World Relief's team to help the churches get together. Uh, We would have committees with one one person from each grouping of church in that zone, and together they would uh, they would they would work with each other. To, to tackle the problems of poverty in their churches and in their communities. There were a number of programs that were going, uh, child development programs, couples ministry. I really like this one. Uh, it was it was a ministry simply to couples uh, teaching the, the biblical patterns of a good marriage, God's principles of, of how a husband and wife ought to be towards each other and towards their children. But it was revolutionary. It changed so many lives. Uh, the The man in the picture i can't even remember his name. I just called him my hero he His life and his his life with his with his wife, his uh, marriage was so transformed by this ministry that he just took it and, and made the ministry his own, and he and his wife have actually ministered to eighty five other couples uh, again it's it's not rocket science it's uh, it's helping couples understand the way God wants men to treat women and the, the parents to treat the children. Oftentimes men there would, uh, whatever little money they had, would be end up in drinking, womanizing. And so many families got their act together with the Lord's help because of this ministry. And because of that, the children have a chance. They have a chance of growing up not being in poverty. Other ministries, savings groups, just organizing people to to pool their money together, what little they have, to save it. And they were able to to do things with it that they couldn't do before. Agricultural improvement, uh, training community health workers. Another program I really loved was what we called outreach groups. Um, Basically, we we would train people in each church, about 10 people in each church, just everyday people, uh, church members, Uh, and they would begin going around in their village area, just visiting every home, whether they were church members or not in those homes. They would visit everybody in the village and spend time with them, spend half a day with them at times, uh, sharing the word of God, uh, praying with them, uh, teaching them about the Lord uh, if they didn't know the Lord, and and also doing health teaching. And this was just everyday Christians like like you and me, uh, but spending time in the neighborhood helping people, reaching out to people, showing love, and giving some good teaching, and it had a great impact. I mean, we're talking 186 churches we worked with during that period of time. That's 1,800 volunteers who would reach 18,000 families, and 90,000 people were touched by this ministry. And that's a ministry of just everyday Christians, and most of them very poor Christians. Who didn't just sit around feeling sorry for themselves but got out into the community to bless other people it was it was a real inspiration to me i think it could be a real inspiration to all of us well right at my side the whole time is beulah we're a team we're a partnership and uh, she found many very interesting ways to serve uh, women in the community uh, the the staff members and in our local churches as well uh, Beulah had quite, a, quite an outstanding impact, believe it or not, on the youth ministry in the church we were, we were part of in the capital, Bujumbura, that's where we lived, Bujumbura, you have to remember that. What's the capital of Burundi? Bujumbura, now, now you know. Uh, in our church there, Beulah was involved in training the youth in evangelism and discipleship and the Lord really used her in, in very interesting ways to touch a lot of lives while we were there. Well, finally, it came time to finish. Uh, we wrapped up our time there, turned over leadership to a very capable uh, Burundian lady called Cesali. And we came home to Canada. Right, That was right before COVID struck. Uh, I was home a few months, and then World Relief called and said they needed somebody to fill in a leadership gap in South Sudan. Uh, South Sudan is a war-torn country in the middle of Africa. And uh, World Relief has a huge program there of 350 staff. Uh, South Sudanese Christians and a few foreigners, uh, working with people all over the country, mainly in displaced people camps, refugee camps, and uh, very, very impoverished rural areas, very dangerous rural areas. Our teams were serving there out on the front lines, providing health, uh, health programming in, in refugee camps and in the rural areas. We work closely with UN agencies uh, in the administration of the refugee camps. And it was, all, it was all a story of, of Christians helping their own people. In some peaceful parts of the country, we were able to come alongside churches in those areas to do the same kind of programs we did in the other countries, helping the churches to reach out to the people in their communities as well. Finally, uh, last year in February, I was able to again turn over leadership to a very capable, this time an Ethiopian woman named Abiot. And I was home for a few months and then the phone rang again. It was another need, this time in Haiti uh, where, where uh, Arendelle has had a, a real meaningful involvement over the years. Uh, this was in August of last year. Uh, there was a leadership gap. They called me to go down and just a few days before I left, there was a really bad earthquake in the southwest corner of the country where our teams happened to be operating. The Lord gave me a great team. Again, there was about 30 uh, Haitian Christians we worked together. Uh, Many of them were based in that area at the center of the earthquake. And so we just uh, stopped our regular programming and rolled up our sleeves and got involved for several months helping victims of this terrible, terrible earthquake. Homes all over the place, down, pastors' homes, everybody's homes, uh, many churches destroyed, flattened. This was a a church in one community and you can see what what happens to concrete structures when there's an earthquake. Churches tend to be the first buildings to fall down because of the way they're they're built. And uh, there was just a lot of hardship, I mean it's hard in Haiti already and it was even worse now. So we just got involved working again with all the local churches, uh, identifying the neediest people who had lost their homes. Uh, and uh, spending several months helping them with supplies, and, and now we've started a program of rebuilding houses. Um, I was so blessed by these people. I mean, these three pastors, uh, we we would have meetings with the local pastors to identify the people that needed the help the most in their churches and in their communities, and these pastors themselves had lost their homes, and yet here they were uh, involved in taking care of all the people around them, and not just taking care of themselves. Uh, This this was a very deep, deep and touching blessing for me. Uh, So yeah, we got involved in distribution of of relief goods again, helping people get back on their feet, and we have started a a rebuilding program in partnership with uh, Habitat for Humanity. But towards the end, we were able to resume our normal programming, working with churches on some of the same programs, couples ministries, children's ministries, um, uh, uh, health teaching in the communities around them. Finally, uh, at December last year, I was able to turn it over again to a new leader, Pascal, and I got home here just in time for Christmas. Well, the story ends there, or still going, I suppose, but... Thinking back to when I was 21 and the Lord said, freely you received, freely give. Uh, The Lord has given Beulah and I lots of opportunities, very interesting opportunities with a lot of wonderful people to to do what he said to do. Freely we receive, freely give. I thank the Lord for those, those experiences. But... I thank the Lord most of all for what he taught me about the way he does things. And that's where, let's come back and talk about strategy. What is, the, what is Jesus' strategy? Well, uh, I like things to be kept simple. Um, what, what's Jesus up to? He, he works through, basically, his followers to touch the lives of people. That's what he's doing. He did it in those days and he's doing it now. And he's still doing it. He's doing it in Canada. He's doing it all over the world. Jesus working through his followers to touch the lives of people. And maybe that's what I learned the most during these years, especially these recent years in Africa, in these countries, in Haiti, in uh, in South Sudan, in Congo, in Burundi, was seeing the Lord's people, letting the Lord work through them, to touch the lives of people all around them. There's some principles involved in this. Principles that are, that are useful for every one of us. And I learned them from the Word of God and I learned them from seeing the African Christians in action. The first principle would be, well we've already talked about it, share what, share what you have been given. Uh, we read that in, in uh, Matthew 10 verse 8, freely you have received. Freely give. He says it's something similar here in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 11. I find this to be a very interesting verse where the Lord says, through Paul, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. It's almost like the Lord is saying he blesses us, but not just so that we can enjoy the blessing, but he blesses us so that we, we in turn can pass on the blessing to other people. That's the way the Lord works. And we say, well, I haven't been given much. I'm not rich, I'm not a celebrity, I'm not on TV. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever the Lord has given us, any one of us, all his followers have been blessed in one way or another. And that's how the Lord works. He takes what we've been given, and if we open up our hearts and we're willing to share it, the Lord uses us to touch people's lives. Reminds me of uh, in the Old Testament, there was a story of Moses. Remember, the Lord called Moses to lead his people. And, the Lord, and Moses said, I can't do it, Lord. I, I'm incapable of this. I can't even talk. And the Lord said, ask him a question. What, what's that in your hand? And he was holding a, a staff, you know. And, he, and the Lord said, what's that in your hand? And the point was to, to Moses, what the Lord has given you, I'm going to use it. Don't worry about it. Just take what you've got. And step out there in faith, and I'm going to use you to bless other people. So, Jesus' strategy, well, the first thing is uh, share what we've been given. Uh, There's some more principles as well that are very good for us to to catch on. Number two, communicate. Communicate what? I see two things. Communicate love and truth. And we read that this morning in the passage in uh, Matthew chapter 9 that uh, Don read for us. It's a story of Jesus' ministry. And it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages. What did he do? Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So how did Jesus do it? word and deed, uh, love and truth. He taught, he proclaimed the good news. There has to be truth, people need truth. People need to know what's right, what's wrong. People need to know what's reality and what's fake. And that's where Christians need to share the truth. The truth about God himself, what he's like. The truth about Jesus Christ and his death on that cross for us. The truth about how God relates to people. The truth about how God works in this world. People need truth, and they get it from Christians who get it from the Word of God. That's essential. That that can't be compromised. But it's more than just truth. People need love. People need to to feel the love of God touching their hearts. They need to feel the compassion of Jesus through his people. Uh, Teaching and proclaiming on one side and healing on the other, that's what Jesus did. Uh, We could say words and deeds, or we can say truth and love not love without truth not truth without love but love and truth together in a beautiful balance that's how the lord uses his people when we teach god's truth and share his love so the second principle involved here in jesus strategy communicate truth and love there's something else about the strategy also that we find in galatians chapter 6 verse 10 we want to take a look at that And there's two principles actually here. Doing good to all people, but helping needy Christians. Uh, If we look at Galatians 6.10, he says, therefore, as you have opportunity, Paul speaking to the Galatian Christians, let us do good to all people. Yes, do good to all people. But then he says, especially, (laughs) especially the family of believers. So there's some very good guidance for us. And this is something that that has been very helpful to me over the years. I've been able to participate in it in some very interesting opportunities overseas along with God's people in different countries. Yes, doing good to all people. In Congo, we helped hundreds of thousands of displaced people and refugees. They were just people of all backgrounds, Christian, Muslim, animist, whatever. But at the same time, we tried to find ways to bless and encourage and help God's people. So doing good to all people, but especially looking for the family of believers and ways to bless them. In the New Testament, there was, a, there was an interesting uh, work that Paul the Apostle did. He, as he went around teaching and uh, preaching and, and starting churches and sharing with the world on a widening scale about the, the message of Jesus Christ, at the same time, in Greece, among the churches, they took up a collection and they sent the money back to Jerusalem because the Christians in Jerusalem at that moment were suffering famine. And it's, it's a really interesting story. You'll find it in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and references in other places. How Paul organized a collection and they carried it back to Jerusalem. There was no online uh, wiring of funds in those days. You had to take it on a ship and go back with it. But it's a beautiful example of, of what he was saying. Yes, we need to reach all people, help all people, bring God's truth to all people. But we also should be helping struggling, suffering Christians in the wider Christian families around the world. So, Jesus' strategy, share what you've been given. Communicate love and truth, truth and love. Do good to all people, but help needy Christians. One final thing to mention. We need to find ways as Christians to minister Near and far. One of the last things Jesus said to his disciples was in uh, Matthew. Oh, sorry. I got the... It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Forget the Matthew up there. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. Where? Well, we start in uh, Jerusalem. That's where they were at the time. And all Judea and Samaria going out further and further geographically speaking and to the ends of the earth. There, there's, there's a way that Christians, all Christians, should try to be involved locally, as well as in a, at, a, at a faraway place. That's the way the world is these days. We need to think of Christians, we need to think of people in other countries, and not just the ones, not just the needs that are around us. Share what we've been given, communicate truth and love, do good to all people, help needy Christians. Minister near. And far. And then Jesus said, right after that, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And it's kind of interesting because the very next chapter, right after he asks his disciples to pray, he sends them out. And there's a lesson for us here this is not just for missionaries. This is for everyday Christians. All of Jesus' followers can be involved in this strategy. What's it got to do with Arundel Bible Chapel? Just a few final thoughts. Well, Arundel is in Arundel Village. I did a little research this week, uh, trying to understand more about Arendelle Village. Uh, some, found some old pictures, this is Dundas Street, probably made to be right outside the door here, back in uh, 1910 or somewhere, here's another shot. That's what it looked like in those days. Uh, I think you can even see the, maybe that's the Anglican Church way off in the distance. You can see the spiral. This is like 110 years ago. Arendelle Village then was populated first by, well, by of course the Mississaugas, the first nation. But then settlers began coming into the area. Some of them came from Toronto, which was called York in those days. But there were a lot of people who settled here from New England, from the United States, there were a lot of people who came from New Brunswick, believe it or not. And then Irish began arriving, you know, troublemakers. Irish are just troublemakers, wherever they are. They must have been kicked out of New York, and they ended up here in Arendelle Village. In fact, Arendelle Aaron is a town in Ireland. It's named after that town. Uh, so that's that's Arendelle Village in in those days. What is it now? Well, 20% now of Arendelle Village is from South Asia, you know, India and the Indian subcontinent, 11% Chinese, black from the Caribbean or from Africa, 7% Filipino, yay Filipino, uh, 5% and Arabic 3%. Uh, this is uh, languages in Arendelle, this is the larger Arendelle, the electrical dist- electoral district. English, there's only 50% of the people here that their mother tongue is English, right? There's Chinese, Urdu, Urdu is from India, Pakistan, uh, Indian, other Indian languages, Arabic, Polish, Portuguese, Spanish, and Filipino. Uh, only half of the people around us started in Canada. Mississauga, in general, like the, the larger area, uh, the population is about 850,000 people now. Uh, English, less than half. Less than half of the people in Mississauga now, they started out with English as a mother tongue. Less than 60% would call themselves Christian. Very interesting. So in other words, more than 40% of our neighbours in our, in our city here uh, would not call themselves Christian background at all. These are some slides of... Uh, I got these actually from Mike a little while ago. Uh, Recent immigrants, India, Pakistan, Philippines, China, Iraq, Egypt, Syria, United Arab Emirates, other places, United States, other places, Jamaica, Saudi Arabia, I mean the whole world is right here, right around us. Uh, Languages, Urdu, Arabic, Polish, Mandarin, Tagalog, that's Filipino. Uh, Punjabi, Cantonese, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. This is the United Nations. We live in the middle of it, right here. The, the whole world has come to our our doorstep. That's our that's our Jerusalem now. It, it, it's like the whole world. The ends of the earth have come to Jerusalem, and they're all around us. Well, what's the strategy? Share what we've been given. Communicate truth and love. Do good to all people. Help needy Christians and minister near and far. Arundel's already off to a great start. We've got some really wonderful ministries going on in this community. The English is a second language. Uh, the food pantry. Um, we, we, we can do more to help youth and, uh, and children. And UTM is right there, right next door. It's sort of part of Arendelle Village almost and Arendelle Park. There, there's so many good things happening. There's so much left to do. There are so many opportunities right around us. The Lord has brought it to us, and he's, he's encouraging us to get involved. And every Christian, every follower of Jesus can have a role to play in that because Jesus' strategy is not rocket science. Sharing what we have. Communicate love and truth. Do good to all people. Help needy Christians. Minister minister near and far. Arendelle very involved in a lot of worldwide ministries as well through the missionaries we support. It's good. We're off to a great start. There's so much more we can and should do. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful all around us. The workers are few. We need more workers. Anybody in this room today can participate in one way or another. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for what you've done for us in our lives. We, as, we who are Christians, we know how blessed we are through the work of Jesus on the cross. And you've taught us what it means to walk with you and to enjoy you and have all the blessings of being a child of God. We thank you. And we, we're in Canada. We know we're so blessed just by being in this country You've blessed every one of us in so many ways. We thank you and we acknowledge that and we ask that you'll show us now what to do with it as individual Christians and as a church. We pray that you'll work through us to touch many people for your glory and draw people to yourself. And we pray that Arendelle will be a a center of uh, spiritual life and growth and joy for so many more people. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.